Happy Hump Day, everyone. I am Brian O'Neill. And I'm Coach K. Together, we make up Queen City Poly, a podcast dedicated to discussing polyamorous relationships and other forms of ethical non-monogamy. Due to the explicit content of this podcast, we would advise you to listen with headphones or while you're in your vehicle. Or don't. I can't tell you what to do. Enjoy the episode. All right, well, let's get into it then. The old nesting partner. Good for your soul. Nesting partners. NPs, as they call them. People you live with. Partners that you live with. And are romantically involved with. True. Could you have a nesting partner that you're not romantically involved with? Would that just be a roommate? That would be a roommate, yeah. What if y'all shared finances, though? That would be it. I mean, most roommates share finances to, to some degree. Mm. Right? Like, you go in on stuff. It's hard to completely separate. Yeah. Hmm. I like it. But, yeah, we, going on nesting partners, and nesting partners, like we said, are your typical uh, cohabitative, cohabitation partner yeah it's one of the steps on the escalator that uh you do for some partners and not others it's the big one well not the big one because i guess the big one would be the engagement marriage but or kids or something yeah it's pretty up there but it's one of those ones that people that don't have a partner they live with unless i mean we're not i guess we're not talking to solo about solo poly people Today, we're talking about people who want a cohabitating relationship and are don't have one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're talking about people who desire to have that feeling. That nesting partner. That nesting partner relationship. Someone to come home to. And a lot of times, they're like single-ish and poly- and they might be dating someone who's already cohabitating with a partner. Um, they might be in other relationships with people who they don't want to live with. Mm-hmm. And they're fine. They're, they like dating the people who they're dating, but they, they, they miss and they want this nesting partnership. And there's nothing wrong with desiring this. Right. It's cohabitation is the I want to say cornerstone or the building blocks of family. Because we were all just independent. Think about that. If if we grew Why are you up shitting on the solo poly people. I'm not shitting on the solo poly, but I'm saying it's cornerstone of like building a family, typically. Like if everyone was just solo and just you mean to tell me that. If your dad has a separate house, your mom has a separate house, your sister's at a separate house. It'd be logistically difficult for sure. Yeah. And one of the things that brings families together is that shared 
feeling of growing up in a house altogether or sharing space. Yeah, it's an intimate relationship where there's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of compatibility you need for a nesting partner that you might not necessarily need for another type of relationship. What are some of those things that... Well, what I find interesting, though... Okay, so for... I feel like nesting partnerships have a lot of high bars they need to clear. Mm-hmm. And this is coming from a person who moves in pretty quickly and mm-hmm. has worked out in the past and currently. But I don't know if everyone who makes the decision to move in with somebody thinks about all of these things. So nesting partnerships should have similar or compatible needs and desires around how money is managed. Okay. Um, I know from personal experience, living with someone who is reckless around money, especially when they're the person that's supposed to pay part of the rent or part of the electric bill, uh, a lot of it's very hard to maintain boundaries with someone who's spending money and not coming up with, you know, mm-hmm. their part of of the agreed on finances. Right. And that's not good for any relationship, but it's especially problematic when it's the roof over your head, right? I mean, I know for me, like, it's that's part of how I feel safe and secure in a relationship, in a nesting partnership. Yeah, you gotta be on the same wavelength as far as like what you find is important. Yeah, so definitely similar enough around finances to be able to share those finances as much as you do around the house. Mm -hmm. Um, Similar or compatible cleanliness. I know I've had over 20 roommates in my life and similar styles of picking up a house or how clean you need a house to be is going to go a long way to be a compatible, cohabitating person. Um, I think you need to have similar desires for where you want to live, what kind of amenities you want in the in the house you share. Mm-hmm. Um, similar or compatible desires around whether or not you want animals in the house, what kind of animals you want in the house. Like, for instance, if you were afraid of snakes... Mm-hmm. But I really wanted a snake. I'm a boa constrictor fan, yep. fanatic. Yep. This is something that's going to have to be worked out. And it might not be very compatible, right? And also, just like how you view stuff. You know, we're both pretty minimalist when it comes to stuff. And mm-hmm. I feel like I would have a really hard time living with someone who likes to keep a lot of clutter around. It makes me super anxious. Mm. Yeah, clutter is a, a deterring factor. Like the home is your safe place for the most part. Mm-hmm. And in order for both people to feel, or multiple people to feel like secure and like, safe and happy Mm -hmm. they should want similar things 
about like what that house looks like and feels like. And then there's the social aspect of like, how do you feel about shared spaces? What's okay or not okay to do when someone is home or when someone's not home? Mm-hmm. How kitchen table or parallel do you want to practice polyamory? Like having partners over. Yeah. What? How do you? Do you guys have similar feelings about how scarce to be or how not scarce to be around metas? That can be a big factor in whether or not this person is a person you should want to live with because it's their house too. Yeah. And then, I think for a lot of people, when they think about wanting a nesting partnership, they're also looking for a partner to have children with. And not all, but if that's the case, you'd hope you have very similar views on child-rearing. Yeah. You would hope so. I mean, I think people, the, the problem with this in most relationships right is that people change while in cohabitation right what do you mean so let's say we got two dogs now mm-hmm. but when we get together and live together you're just like i'm a five dog kind of gal mm-hmm. and you're really adamant about it now i have to make a decision of how I want to live my life or like how can we meet in the middle on this subject right Mm -hmm. just like if you you know even with me right like when you first met me I was a 9 to 5 school counselor with 401k and all kinds of cushy benefits and now I'm a comic but uh you know without all the cushy things at the moment and i work multiple jobs and like i'm gone and Mm, all that stuff right right? compatible work schedules yeah how much time you like to spend at home exactly so all those things play a a part yeah i mean all these things like or a lot of these things are definitely subject to change but I think that it's still helpful to have conversations about what you like now. Because now is all you really have. Like, you can try to be flexible and you can try to ascertain if you have similar values mm-hmm. and styles. But you, you can only deal with what, you, what you're into now. Mm-hmm. And be really upfront if you think there are deal breakers. So that that person who maybe isn't doing the thing that's a deal breaker now can know hey, that thing's a deal breaker, and they can kind of think, like, dry neat. Am I okay with this being off the table, off the table? Because mm-hmm. um, I, th- I don't know. Some people don't plan to nest with partners for forever, though. There are some people that like that like living with a partner, but it doesn't need to be for a long period of time. They could live with one partner for a while, then they could live with another partner for a while. They like living with partners. Yeah. I think we always see it as being forever. Because that's how we've been taught to think about in relationships as these forever things. But I think there are people that will live with a partner for a time and then not. 
I've also heard about people having nesting partners that they don't have sex. Or they, like they used to be romantic, but now they're just, they just kind of live together. But they still call them their partner, even though they don't do anything romantic. And that kind of like threw me off because they just seem like a roommate to me. It could be more like the companionate marriages or whatever. You're yeah. still, you still like to live together, maybe raising kids with each other still. Maybe you're sharing finances no, or other stuff, but you don't. Yeah. And that's another factor because when people think about nesting partners that you normally think about, this is the partner you're going to have the most physical access to. Yeah, I never thought about that. I've heard about people doing the, uh, the thing where they have kids together. They'll be romantically split up, but they stay in the house because it's just easier for the mom and the dad to be around the children that way. And it would be harder. And especially if it's not that big of a deal for them to live together. Mm, yeah. You know? Along, yeah. Right. Like, it's that. Like, I, I really like that because it's like, you know, although the relationship didn't work out like they originally planned, like, you don't have to hate each other. Right. Yeah, and it just seems like more logistically simple for kids to have the other parent in the home mm-hmm. when possible, for sure. Yeah, so there's I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into like who we want to live with, or who we want to have kids with, or both. So, and it's something that a lot of monogamous people, single monogamous people, and a lot of poly people who don't have this like. They crave this kind of relationship, and they just want it. And they're like, how do I find a nesting partner? Mm. To the point where they feel like they have to have no other partners to do so. Mm-hmm. They feel like they have to be completely single, and that's how you find a nesting partner. Or they feel like they have to be monogamous to find a nesting partner mm, sometimes. Yeah. yeah, I've seen that. I, I think that happens a lot. Like, they leave polyamory to find a nesting partner. Which doesn't make any sense to me because if the polyamory is important to you, that will not matter. Like, it's not like you're going to not meet your nesting partner. Yeah, but it's easier to sell yourself as a monogamous person than a polyamorous person. And then what? You're stuck being monogamous? No, I think they think that they're going to kind of like, after, you know, you get to know someone and you like them, they're like, hey, there's this thing about me. That sounds like a recipe for disaster. Blam. And I think once you like kind of fall in love with someone or in deep like, you'll start to, you'll, it seems a little bit more okay than like starting off and it's like, oh, polyamory. No, okay. there's a reason why we bring up polyamory on a first date though. Yeah. I feel like it's a compatibility thing that you should have in the very, very, very beginning mm. and be open and honest about and let people say no before feelings are involved in like love chemicals and whatnot that seems really unfair but I get the fear like you feel like you don't appear as available I just don't think it's true I mean I know from personal experience it's not true I looked very unavailable when you met me I was nesting with somebody else mm-hmm. but I didn't need to be single and living apart, like, living alone or living with roommates for for me to find you and for us to, like, decide to live together eventually. 
it's just about trust and honesty and transparency and communicating. And when it's right, it's right, and you'll know it. Mm-hmm. And it's not like the relationship I was nesting in, you didn't come and break it up. It was already doing its thing. And it didn't, like, blow up because of you either. Like, we... I'm still close friends with him. Our relationship would have ended with or without you in that way. And we're on, we're all on good terms. It's all good. And I love not living with him anymore, and he loves not living with me anymore. Is marriage necessary for a nesting partner? Why would marriage be necessary? It's like the ultimate nesting hierarchy, right? I think marriage just makes it more logistically difficult to leave. It's very true. It's so weird. Some days I'm like, I want to get married. Just to have it, just cause, just to solidify the bond even that mm-hmm. much more. And then other days I'm just like, that'll make me take you for granted. Mm. And I don't want that. Yeah. I think it's really important to have similar views on polyamory with a nesting partner. Especially when what it comes, like when it comes to like, well one, how you want to be around metamors, like how open you want to be around metamors. How much contact you want to have with metamors. I feel like those can become really difficult situations if you don't have similar styles. But then also, like, there's a lot of people that want to have, want to live in, like, these big houses with a bunch of partners. Okay. Or they want to have multiple nesting partners or a bunch of kids with multiple parents or something. What about a person that wants a closed triad or something? You know, like that's something that you don't really sign up for when you become a nesting partner. Yeah, I mean, that would be more in the values discussion about the type of polyamory. That's what I mean, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I guess I'm speaking more from a place, from my own place of like, as an open polyamorous person that doesn't believe in polyfidelity. Mm -hmm. I feel like you have to have still similar views about how couples privilege functions in that relationship um, and what your boundaries are, right? Because it's your house too. I mean, can you picture living with another one of my partners? Uh, I mean, do you mean like the current one that's like a friend? No. Or just mean like past partners? Or... Future partners. I mean, right now, like, I, it's hard to tell because I don't know this person. <laughs> right. Like, if they were really cool and, like, I felt like it was a good mix, then yeah. Right. And also has to kind of, like, it's all about, like, my lifestyle, too, and, like, how much, how much alone time can I get? Right. With, and would that with, give you more or less alone time? Right. With all these extra people, like, am I getting more or less alone time? Yeah. I just feel like, for me, it seems like it's a really 
big deal to have a meta in the house or a partner of mine or like a partner of mine or a partner of yours living with us seems like such a high bar to clear in terms of just like the stress and anxiety of making sure everyone's all right all the time and mm-hmm. like no one feels like a third wheel and and also like just comfortable in their homes like that seems like a very hard dynamic when you're not like all romantically involved mm-hmm. um but at the same time a lot of people like the idea of living with more than one partner and like you said about the two parents and the kids I mean more than two parents if you have you know a third or fourth adult in the house like that could make child rearing even easier or yeah. whatever um but I don't know like I can I can see us having a roommate before I can see us having like another partner in the house because then it's like there's just all these other questions of it's not just a sleepover it's like their house you're right like where do you sleep do you all have your own room like if we sleep together normally do I like go to the other partner's room if I feel like having sex and you don't go try next door <laughs> like what <laughs> like what is yeah. do, do you feel bad if I'm not sleeping with you do I feel bad if you go into the other room whatever the case may be right. yeah there's a lot of questions that surround that area I would like to have like some guests on that have more experience with that type of scenario situation cause it's not yeah it's not as easy Especially if that person is home a lot. Right. And just like I don't... like Just like you don't want to always be in group situations. A time with just a dyad is really nice. Yeah. You don't have the same conversations in a group that you have like just between two people. It's a very different dynamic. Even if you're all just watching a movie. Even if it's just, like, me and you watching a movie versus me, you, and someone else watching a movie. It's just different. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. When... It's not like either of us, when we talk about that, we don't have... There, there's no rule that says we can't. It's just kind of like... If we're thinking about it, we'll talk about it with any partner. But it's a big step, and I feel like we're both kind of hesitant to do something like that. Because it just rocks the boat. And... And it's not... It's, and it's not easy to, like, take back or, like... Right. Redo. So it's one of those things you really have to be certain. Like, it seems like it would have to be kind of, like, either, like, a no-brainer or, like, a... Or a no. Yeah, or a strong no. Yeah. Like Fuck yes or no. Yeah, you can't be on the fence about that. Right. And I feel like you have to really invite the no from your partner. Like, if it's your partner that you want to move in here, that wants to move in here, even if y'all are really excited at that possibility, you have to almost be inviting the no from me and be like, are you sure? You know what I mean? Like, extra checking in, or vice versa. Like, if it was my partner... I might love the idea, mm-hmm. but I feel like I would have to be extra like, Brian, are you sure? 
this is good for you. Yeah, cohabitation just changes a lot of things. Mm-hmm. To have multiple nesting partners as well. Yeah. And it's not like we say absolutely not to any of those things, but they just seem like really big steps that we may or may not ever do. Yeah, it's a full-on commitment. What else you got? You wanted to talk about cowboys. Oh, the cowboys and the cow girls. Oh, boy. Well, let's define cowboy and cowgirl. These people are typically... Well, the definition usually says that these people date polyamorous people with the intention of getting them to leave their nesting partner or their other polyamorous partner and go be monogamous with them. That's one way, yes. But we could extend the definition to say maybe they don't want to agree to monogamy, but they want to, they definitely want to get you onto their hierarchical structure. Oh, yeah. They want you to be the the main person in their polyamory story. And they want you to, to get rid of your nesting partner or make them a, just yeah. a casual partner. Yeah, leave your nesting partner and come join my clan over here. Be my nesting partner over here. Which is completely disrespectful. I do not like it. I do not like it in a hat. I do not like it... <laughs> On a cat, <laughs> I do not like it. And I have experienced this on more than one occasion. And Yeah, it's not fun for me either. It's just not. like it's, And that's why I'm really hesitant to date people that don't already have an established partner because it just happens so much. And so I'm like, well... Yeah, how, uh, your, how your metas respect your current partnerships or no how your partners view your other partners is very important yeah and tells you a lot about them and when you date someone and they don't respect the partnership you have at home with a nesting partner yeah it's really fucked up and it extremely fucked and luckily enough you know you're not so smitten with NRE that you're blind to it completely and mm-hmm. you you care enough about me and about yourself to to really see past it when you do see it and I'll just be like, well, fuck that. Yeah, I know the feeling once it starts happening and I'm like, eh, you're not really respecting my boundaries and you're not... Yeah, you're just... Because, I mean, there are a lot of people in your position that would have left with a shiny new partner. I guess, but that... And I'm not trying to make it seem like I'm, like, this cool-ass, loyal, down-ass dude. 
but like that's just some sucker shit. Like, how you gonna leave somebody that's been with you for so long? And especially when things are going well, it's not like this. You know what I mean? Like, just done stuff for you, and like, they're basically like family to you. Like, you don't just leave your family just because some shiny new person comes along and whatever. You know what I mean? They're taking you on like a trip or something like that, and it's like, yeah, that's nice and all, but like. I just don't have that in me to flip on somebody like that, especially when things have just been going so well for me. Like, I'm, right. Nah, son. And shame on the people that do. Yeah. It's not cool. That's what happened with almost all those affairs, man. Like, people, they get caught up in a situation, right? Mm-hmm. And they start thinking, like, oh, this is the true love here. And, like, this one it's like the same shit can happen to the next person like right well and because we've talked about in past episodes too where sometimes the cowboy or cowgirl you can spot them even before you start dating them like those people that'll be like when you tell them you're polyamorous they'll be like oh well wait till you wait till you have sex with me yeah and it's just like no right and you could just tell how monogamous they're thinking or how like just toxic like hierarchical bullshit Mm. they have in their head that plays into what you were talking about what we were talking about before when talking about assumptions people have for your nesting partner like the person you live with the rest of the world assumes is the person that you love the most and is the most important to you Mm -hmm. and who you have the most sex with and who you spend the most quality time with. Those are the assumptions. They're not necessarily true. Yeah. Especially for us, it's such a hard thing to to communicate of just like, we don't do most important or most loved. Like, yeah. That's, we're not hierarchical like that. We just love people differently and uniquely and Mm. it is what it is. And then we have a high level of entanglement being nesting partners and wanting to have kids together and all that kind of stuff. But I don't own your body and I don't own your time. So just because we live together, there are a lot of nesting partners who barely see each other. Yeah. They're just out of the house more or they're both have different schedules and like they have other partners they see even more. Maybe they work with their other partners or something. So these assumptions are just bad assumptions to make. But they're going to make them. Going to make them. Especially when uninformed thoughts on what polyamory is. Like I had someone last week wanting to be my second girlfriend without actually knowing what that means or like was she asking to date me I don't know it's it seemed like that because she kept saying that you were super cool and that's so creepy she thought that you were cool and all that isn't that so creepy that someone like talks to you basically assuming they're going to talk to me in a romantic way and they're not talking to me yeah it's like how would you even know how whatever I think some people just think that think you're cool because of this dynamic that we do. They don't even know if I'm bi. Right. And 
They I don't talk they, to me. I guess they assume since they saw me around with other partners before that that was done. Just I, th- I, I think a lot of people thought same... that was the, the dynamic. Yeah. Well, just because I can be in the same room with a meta and be friendly doesn't mean we're fucking either. Yeah. Yeah, I hate that assumption that, like, you're on some polygyny shit. Not how we do it. It's not how it goes down. Meditate on that shit. That is our episode for today. We hope you enjoyed the content. Feel free to email us at queencitypoly at gmail.com for questions about polyamory or relationships in general. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and write us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. Queen City Poly comes to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. Special thanks to Charlotte-based artist Black Lennon for lending us his track New Day, featuring Nige Hood, from his album First Saga available on SoundCloud and Bandcamp. Stream his latest album, Black Linen 3.0, on Spotify right now. You're welcome.